You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Let's get your Bibles open back up to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, and we're a little bit late to start with, so I'm going to have to do this real fast. So while you're turning to Romans 12, some of you already know the answer to this. But did you guys hear about the, uh, the two guys that stole the calendar? Yeah, they each got six months. Yep. And so I can't remember if I told you this one or not, but um, did I mention about the guy that invented the throat lozenges? Did I mention that in here? I don't know if you heard about him, but the guy that invented the throat lozenge passed away this week. And uh, they're not going to have any coffin at his funeral, which is really odd. I thought that was different. My favorite thing about telling those, honestly, is looking at the people out there that are going like, why wouldn't they have a coffin at his funeral? Tonight about midnight, they wake up and they're like, oh, I just got that. So you got to be awake if you're going to be ready for this service and have your sermon in Bible and ready to go. Those little ones are a riot, huh? Oh, my goodness. I think someone's going to get a talking to tonight, probably. I got an idea. Yeah. All right. You ever have problems with somebody that you just can't get along with? Could have been a boss. Could be a spouse. Could be a relative, sibling. I think we all have had or will have or currently do have somebody that's just hard to work with. And as I've told you that there are probably the majority of the epistles that are written, the majority of what's written in the epistles is written to teach Christians how to get along, which is a stunning thing to me. I mean, I realize and I understand why, being human myself. But it's amazing that we get saved and still have to be told how to act. But Jesus knew we were still going to have problems and put a ton of verses in here about how Christians are supposed to handle one another. So let's, uh, let's start there in Romans 12 again tonight. We're going to pick up in verse 9. Let's read these verses again, if you can just follow along. <clears throat> Verse 9 tells us again to let love be without dissimulation. Don't be a fake about your Christianity and godly love. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring... Well, you've got to really let this sink in for a little bit. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation, there's one, continuing instant in prayer, that'd be another one, be a good one to remember, distributing to the necessity of the saints, of saints, given to hospitality, here's a good one, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Why does the Lord have to tell us not to curse? Hmm. Verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. 
Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And then here we go. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Uh, I'll get even with you. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I've taken the time to explain that doesn't mean that, well, it's just not possible for me to get along with that person. So that verse doesn't apply to me as far as working with that person. That's not what that means at all. Where it's your responsibility, step up and do what's right. Where you have the authority and the ability to be able to step into a circumstance or a situation, make sure you get that taken care of and live peaceably. That's the goal there. Hear what it says, live peaceably with all men. So I would like for us all to read verses 19 to 21, 19 to 21 out loud together. Can we do that? Picking up in verse 19, where the Bible says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Well, Lord, thank you for the privilege to be back tonight. I'm asking your blessing on the word of God tonight. Help me as I would share in uh, this, the rest of this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I had uh, shared with you a couple, seems like a month ago now, but a couple weeks ago, I think it was, I uh, kind of went through this message and I listened to the first seven or eight, eight points, and I have just a few left at the tail end of this that I want to um, share with you tonight. <clears throat> um, God gave you and me a free choice, uh, a free will, and we have the choice really to live our life how we want to live our lives. We're not puppets. God does not have us on a string making us live our lives a certain way. God wants us to give him glory because we chose to do so, because we honor him and we want to love him and give him that kind of honor. And so um, when certain Christians are not acting the way they ought to act, and when certain, may not even be a Christian, guys, but you're the Christian, how should we act? <clears throat> I related uh, a, an illustration of a man that had worked with a difficult individual earlier. Let me, let me just give you one of my own. I, I tell it about once a year, maybe, and maybe my memory's just really bad, so I'll tell, I'll tell this one again. If it's been two weeks ago, I'll tell it again. So we had uh, just moved into the house we were in at that particular time. I think it was the one next door to where we're at. And uh, we'd been there a few weeks, hadn't met any of the neighbors. And, I, um, and uh, my brother-in-law had come to live with us for a little while. And uh, so we were in the house, and I looked across the street. And here comes a neighbor walking across the street, coming across, the, obviously, to welcome us to the neighborhood. Well, that was pretty nice. I've been waiting on that. And so she comes up to the door, and she knocked on the door, and, and she's, I'm open the door, hey, how you doing? I just want to tell you that whoever's car that is parked on that side of the street is parked the wrong direction, and we don't park like that around this neighborhood, and, and I'm just so blown away. First words, I mean, that was the welcome wagon at our, on our street, and uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a real blessing. And I tried to explain to her it was my brother-in-law's. He's new to the state. I don't know why he's parking like that, but he, uh, but uh, apologize. And she was just real snippety. And she got under my skin. Does anybody ever get there with you? You know, somebody got to sew those places up where they get under there. But she got under my skin. It was not a good thing for a 
preacher, but I was, it got to me. Yep. It's a lot of years ago, guys. I've matured quite a little bit since here, since of the story. But I was upset with her. I mean, I couldn't believe it. First, first person to welcome us, and that's what I hear. She's going to tell me how we're supposed to live in the neighborhood, and da 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 And I watched her walk down the sidewalk and back home. She must have liked her donuts. Let me just say that. Um, and and we'll just, I'm going to leave it at that. How about that? Is that a very nice way of saying something? Because my brain said, uh, I'm just, this is confession. Look at her waddle down that driveway, going back to that nice neighborhood we've chosen to live in. Did you really think that in your mind? Yeah, I did. I watched her walk walk all the way back up into her driveway and got into the house. And I'm like, nice welcome. We just got from a neighbor. I'm telling telling my wife so we can both be happy and and then my my brother-in-law. And uh, I I got in the car next day to go to work and I drove by and I looked at that house. I mean, it's right across the street. I looked at that house like this. And I came back home from work and I looked at that house like this. I pulled up in the driveway and as I'm going up the driveway into the house, I stared at that house. Next morning I got in my car and I backed out of the driveway and looked at that house. Worked on a sermon. Probably something about love your neighbors or something like that. Came back home and drove by that house and I'm like, got out of my car, went in the house, looked over there like, oh, and then the third time, I'm just so under conviction. It was horrible and it was ugly and I realized my attitude was wrong and I went to the church that next morning and I tried to work on a sermon and I, I can't do this. So when, on the way home, I pulled the car up in the driveway, got out of my car and walked straight over to her house. I was under such conviction. It was, it was ugly. And um, knocked on the door and guess who showed up? Miss Welcome Wagon. And a preacher under heavy, heavy conviction. And I said, I don't even know your name, but what I need to tell you is this. You know that church on Sycamore you drive by probably three times a week? I I pastor that church. I'm a Baptist preacher. And when you came over to our house, I I just told her, I said, the way you spoke and the way you told me about the car and everything, I said, I let it get to me, and I was wrong. I said, I've had a... I've had a bad attitude towards you ever since then. And I said, I was, I'm not right with my God. I just, I'm just, and she's not even saved. And I, I didn't know if she was or not, but I just told her. And I said, I, I'm just coming over here to ask you to forgive me. I'm ashamed for the way I've thought about you. And I, me and my wife would love to get to know you. And um, so, you know, I just asked her to, would you please forgive me? And she stood there and didn't know what to say. And she started saying, well, what, uh, well I, I had just been going through a lot of problems. And then, then she, I heard her blurt out. And my daughter just found out she has a brain tumor. And, and she started going on and on. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, people that are like that usually have a lot deeper things inside that are going on. They really do. And if you can be godly and not waddly, <laughs> you might be able to help somebody like that. You really, you really might. 
Well, let me tell you that since then, I consider our, uh, us to be friends. Honestly, we can go back and forth across the street, talk to each other, and, and uh, she has come over and sat down with Yvette and has visited with her, and we are praying that God will really open up the door to be able to witness to Bev, and would you pray that Bev would get saved? I, I really have a burden for them, and uh, I'm just saying there really are ways to work with difficult people. When Christians learn to act like Christians and let Christianity shine and not the world like they already are, it's amazing what can take place when you learn how that God taught us how to work with difficult people. You really, you really can. I'm going to just tell you, walk my way up to those last two or three points, <clears throat> but I am going to tell you what we um, have already mentioned. We said number one, what should be our motive when dealing with anyone at all? Does anybody remember that? It's, it's, it's been a couple weeks. What should our motive be when dealing with anyone? We should hope that by the time we finish with that person, we have brought about a peaceful solution. That ought to be the goal of every person's conversation. I don't care who you're talking to. I don't care if somebody's coming down on you, someone that's trying to belittle you or, or berate you or whatever it might be. Your goal as a Christian, my goal as a Christian, and I know, I even knew it while she was doing that, and I let my flesh take over. I, our, our goal ought to be to bring about peace. Now, peace came about three or four days later than it should have, but I thank the Lord God enabled me to get over and make that right. So our, our motive when dealing with people ought to be, <clears throat> God help me to bring about a peaceful resolve to whatever's taking place here. <clears throat> Christians, please step up to the plate and do what's right. Number two, what important character trait is needed to deal with difficult people? If you're going to be one to deal with them, what trait was I missing? I wasn't being what? Patient and humble. I was lifted up in pride. And I'm just saying when, <laughs> when you're willing to be humble and ask God to show you where you're lifted up in pride, and, I, and I'm just going to say this, a lot of relationships, a lot of marriages, a lot of family problems are because pride gets into our heart. Only through pride cometh contentions, Solomon taught us. It's true. Uh, how do you deal with someone who always has to be right about everything or always wants his or her way? Um, and I, I haven't written all of these out, uh, but basically try to, try to look at what their needs are and see if you can be a, a blessing and a help to them and their needs. Don't always have to have your way. Yeah, but I'm all, I hear this so many times, I'm always the one giving in. I am so glad Jesus gave in. I really am. He is the one that gave us the example to follow in his steps. Number four, how do we handle a boss or someone who always seems to have it in for us? We, we went through those points. and make sure I don't miss these. Number five, we dealt with, is there ever a time we should get even with someone who mistreats us? Well, you read those verses with me a while ago. God said, vengeance is mine. It belongs to God. And the minute I walk over and I try to get even with Bev and I, I don't know what I would have done to get even with Bev, 
I would have robbed from God, just like me not being willing to put my tithe in an offering plate when God says you have robbed me in tithes and offerings and you've also robbed me of my vengeance. I was going to do that in a way. I would have done it better than you would have done it. I would have, um, I would have it done in a manner that would have brought them under conviction and on and on. So no, there's never a time where to get even. Number six, how do we deal with situations or people that always create problems um and and i have not gone through and and reviewed these close enough to remember exactly what that was but i i believe it was to avoid those people you don't have to be around those kind of people that kind of always get under your skin but again a spirit of humility is uh, most important and same thing how do we deal with people who continually take advantage of us matthew 5 43 to 48 i'm not kidding you guys last was this last Wednesday night? Two Wednesday nights ago. Um, we went through this, and I, I'm telling you, that passage of Scripture, while I'm reading it, I've studied it. I, was, I studied this passage, and, but just standing here preaching it that night, God brought me under such strong conviction about how Christ acted and how humble Christ was to us and how we ought to pray for those who despitefully use us. And, and, and why do we always have to bring it back around our way and just... Matthew 5, 43 to 48, if you want some verses to help keep you humble. Tremendous, powerful verses. And then I'm going to wrap it up with these last three points tonight. How, how do we answer people who like to argue or just want to be heard? Do you know anybody like that? Don't look around. <laughs> how do we answer people who like to argue or just want to be heard? Let's go over to Proverbs 26, if you will. Proverbs 26. <clears throat> Would you pray with me that I can completely get over whatever this is I have? Proverbs 26. <clears throat> I've got a something. So if you're there in Proverbs 26, look in verses 4 and 5. Let's read these out loud together. You're going to say, well, this is confusing. But look in verses 4 and 5. Read them out loud with me, will you? Verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be also like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. I got one word twisted around in that first verse. Sorry about that. So what's that? Sound like God's talking out of both sides of his mouth. First he tells me to do something or not to do something, and then he says, go ahead and do it. What's he talking about? I, I'm so mixed up. Uh, some people have their minds already made up that their opinion is right. Regardless of what anybody says... Uh, with these people, guys, it's best not to continue the discussion there in verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly, because if you keep going on and on and on and on, you're going to find yourself becoming more and more like him. You're just beating your head against a wall and it's not doing any good. They do not have a receptive spirit to the truths of the Word of God, so don't get into an argument. It, it's, not, it's not productive. And then others like to make themselves look superior by making detrimental comments about somebody else. I mean, with these people, a polite answer that shows their error would be appropriate. <clears throat> really, in verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. <clears throat> Sometimes a soft, humble response to that person will slip a little dart into his heart surgically and will cause him to stop and consider what he's saying and doing. That's a person that really has a, a bit of a heart to want to listen 
and has a sincere desire possibly uh, to kind of grow out of that. So when there's a possibility of helping somebody and you can sense that, work with them for a little bit, try to, try to get some positive uh, answers or thoughts into their minds, throw little darts in their minds. I've had people tell me, nope, this is just, no, this is the way it's going to be. I've had people sit and tell me we're, we're divorcing. We're this, we're, I'm done with her. He, I'm done with him. And I've looked him in the eyes and I said, look at me. Will you just at least consider what, what it might be like to be humble about this and try to get back into this situation? I'm asking you, will you please do that? All right, I'll stop and think about that. But we're done. And those little positive thoughts begin to work in their hearts. If you'll answer a fool, sometimes according to his folly, you'll help him out. If they have, if you sense a little spot in there to, to be a help. So let's, let's go to number nine. We're wrapping things up here. How do we deal with someone who is always angry? Do you know anyone like that? And it's just such an angry person. It doesn't take anything to light them up, and they're always mad, and, I, and it doesn't take nothing for me to say or do, and they're, they're just mad all the time. Proverbs 15. Let's go over there. <clears throat> Let's talk about this for a minute. Boy, this is such a good verse. So in verse 1 of Proverbs 15, the Bible says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. How do you do when somebody is loud and angry at you and have just let you know what a fool you are and have gone on and on and, and, and you just, just railed on you, maybe even cuss and swear and say very demeaning things about you or your mother or your wife and things of that nature or whatever it might be. How do you act? How, how good are you at that? Well, I told you how good I was <laughs> right off the bat. I got a little bit better, amen, by the way. But the Bible is very clear, a soft answer will turn away that wrath. We well, said, I tried it once and they kept going on and on. Well, give them another soft answer. A humble and a meek spirit, listen guys, demonstrates Christ. And if you stand Jesus up in front of them after a while, they'll be ashamed of their anger. And uh, it'll demonstrate the Lord to them. So, but you come back with grievous words and you're upset now, and both of you are now lit up, it just stirs things up. How many of you have ever gone over to a campfire and just took a stick and just run like that? What happens to all those little sparks? Man, thousands of them going up in the air. And that's the way a lot of couples do, or people that get into arguments. That's the way they do. Uh, well, you holler at me, I can holler just as loud as you can, and on and on the arguing goes. How about chapter 22? Go over to chapter 22. <clears throat> 24 and 25. There's some good advice. 24 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Let me say something here. You know what God just told us tonight? That, well, they're not going to have an effect on me. Mom and dad, it's, I can go with them. I, I'll be who I am. They're not going to change me who I am, honestly. Uh, I mean, I've been raised in church all my life, and 
And why do you always feel like peer pressure is going to get to me? Well, I think it's the Lord says, if you hang with an angry man, you can learn his ways. Just kind of starts clinging to you. And the people you hang around is what you will start to become like. There's a message, I haven't preached it in a lot of years, I probably should pull it back out. Show me what your friends are like, and I promise you I can show you what you're going to be like in a year. It's true. Who you hang out with is what you're going to be like. If you choose to hang hang around an angry man, the Bible's just pretty clear, just stay away. That's not the kind of person you need to be with. So that's one way uh, to deal with somebody who's always angry. Pretty much just avoid them. So when someone is loud and angry, again, answering in a soft tone usually quiets things down. Somebody answers in a loud tone, the anger only escalates. You, you, you ratchet it up yourself. And if someone is known to always be angry, God tells us, just stay away from him or her, or we're going to end up in trouble just like them. You're going to begin to look like them. You have that ugly scowl on your face. You'll develop that same old attitude when you walk into a room. I mean, please get around the people that are an encouragement to you and that build you up instead of tear you down. Lastly, church members' favorite word. Lastly, what is the key to living in peace with difficult people? And um, you can hold your place here in Proverbs, but go uh, back to Psalm 119 with me, if you will. Psalm 119. Does anybody know what 165 says? Great. What's the next word? You're reading it now. I'm kidding. It is true. It is peace. 165. Psalm 119. Look in verse 165. Longest chapter in the Bible. Notice what God tells us here tonight. Great peace have they which love thy law. You can just say the word of God, that love the word of God, and nothing shall offend them. Let me just tell you guys, you get into the word of God, and it gets, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, get angry with others. It, it's hard to have misunderstandings when you've fallen in love with the word of God. And you're a, you're a regular student, and you say, Preacher, you're always harping about devotions. Well, okay, you just want to call it Bible reading? Call it whatever you want. But you need to be in the Word of God and let God get into you. Uh, <clears throat> it will affect how many times you find yourself, fewer times, getting angry and upset. Now back over to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. And drop down to verse 7. Verse 7. The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Well, how does a man, how does his ways please the Lord? There's only one way your ways can please God, and that is if you're in the Word of God. If you let the Word of God sink into you, it becomes who you are. This gets into your bones. Your attitude begins to change to be more Christ-like. And as verse 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, God can even make our enemies to be at peace with us. So you say, I just, I've tried everything, and I just can't get anybody to, 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 to live in a peaceable way around me. Well, just get into the Word of God. Live like God, and you'll watch what God can do for you. So <clears throat> following God's law is the key to peace. When we live by God's ways, we learn the way to peace. 
Living God's way doesn't mean all people will like who we are, but they will like what we are, which is peacemakers. And God, God loves that. Blessed are the peacemakers. So and I'll just say it again tonight, and I'm, I'm wrapping this up. God wants us to be peacemakers by working toward peace, guys, in all of our um, uh, actions and reactions with people, not conflict. We can handle difficult people. We really can. Typically, the problem with us becomes when we react rather than to act upon something in a Christ-like principle. So even difficult people like to be treated well, and that's why treating them with the respect and the concern with which we want to be treated helps bring about peace. So learning more about God's law will help us with our relationship with everybody, and I would challenge you Maybe just get back into the old-fashioned memorizing some Bible verses, something that will clothe the Word of God into your heart and soul, and it'll begin to change the words that come out of our mouths and the thoughts that run through our minds and the heart's attitude will begin to change as this Word of God will get into you. Working with difficult people is hard, but I promise you it's not impossible if you want to do it according to God's way. Amen? Really and truly it is. We want to encourage you to